0: So, I have heard this farmers' protest thing going around quite a while, and it's time we talk about it. So, why did this happen, and what can we do about it? So, that's all we're going to talk about in this episode. But now, let's get into the discussion. So, hey Ardek, hey Ramit, how are you guys? I'm all
1: right, Aryan. And uh, obviously, the matter you have raised up is a great matter of national concern. Mm-hmm. India is an agri-based economy, our backbone lies upon the agriculture sector of our economy. And I really think uh, we need to talk about it. So if I go into a little bit of past, uh, I think if I'm not wrong, it was between the time of August or September when the government brought out these three new farm laws. And it was during the monsoon session of the parliament, which was going on during the COVID times. So, even their coalition partner, the SAD or the Shiromaniya Mania Kalital, even refused it. So, if I now have to go into the specificities of the three laws and I named them, the first law was Farmers Produce Trade and Commerce Promotion and Facilitation Bill. Second one was Farmers Empowerment and Protection Agreement on Price Assurance and Farm Services Bill. And the third one was Essential Commodities Amendment Bill. Now, why does this whole is hold a special you know, significance into it and why do we really need to talk about it? Because it's the first time that any government in the history of India has brought out a has ad, at least tried to bring out a reform into the agriculture sector. Because the earlier governments were a little hesitant to put up any reforms into the agriculture sector as a we are a very we are not a uh, open economy as to say. We really are in troubled pieces. Our reforms are not that good. So, yeah, I think the government has tried its best, but there is some problem with communication. And, thing. and it'll be great. You guys will explain the economic factors of it. So,
0: so what, uh, what I'm seeing is prior, earlier the farmers who are the price takers, They were fa- they were facing the losses. And what the government is trying to do with these three laws is to actually get rid of the middlemen. And so what happens is there are many APMC's markets that farmers can go and sell to traders and then the traders will sell to us. So what they're trying to do is trying to eliminate these guys and so that directly they can go to the market
2: and they can sell. So why do you think there is a problem here? Yeah, so... What I think the problem here is that if we look at uh if we look at these middlemen only as middlemen in the economic sense, that then that of course sounds sounds good that the government tried to eliminate them, but exactly. they are not in reality they are not. What these middlemen or uh, or how the farmers call them in Hindi, they do not just hold an economic relationship with them. They are not just distributors, and they are not just taking the money. They play an important role in the farmer's day-to-day life. They are the main money lenders that give interest to the farmers, that give loans to the farmers at a very low interest, uh, putting belief on that, that the farmer will always return what he has taken. Now, if we look at uh, it that way, the farmers are not only creating an economic relationship, they're also creating a an social and an emotional relationship with these people. And because the private individuals do not have any incentives to give the farmers the same amount of loans or give the farmers the same amount of benefits, uh, ultimately, they will the farmers will be at loss. Since uh, now they uh, do not have any party to take loans from, efficiently of course there are many money lenders but they are not uh, that that socioeconomically sound to uh, not charge any uh, interest on their so loans bef-
0: uh, let me stop stop you there so i think to better like better understand this farmers protest let's first answer this question why was the farmer poor and why was he committing suicide at the first place because that's not supposed to happen because if we are an agro based economy we should uh, it should be like farmers are prospering and if we are saying jai kisan jai uh jai Jay- kaya Oh, sorry. Jai Jawan, Jai Kisan. So, then the farm... Why are the farmers so poor? And what's what's going wrong there?
1: I think, you know, Arir, if we look at it from a perspective of uh, what you are trying to come from, we need to also look at the protest. No, I'm trying to come from a yeah. general sense. Yeah, absolutely. General now, sense. If I'll, I'll just take a little bit of your time. If we see the major farmers who are protesting there are from the regional borders of Punjab. Punjab No, it should not be farmers who should be coming from Punjab as the water from five rivers is going into the Punjab and it's flowing through it. So it should be one of the most fertile places to grow and to farm upon, you know, and then we have a a section of farmers from Haryana and some of them are even for UP. Now, so as to answer to your question, the biggest problem why the farmers are committing suicides and, you know, why they are not able to pay up the revenues in the time is because their land yeah,
0: because they're selling their goods. Yeah.
1: first of all, is that their land is suffering from drought and things. Now, so if if we, if we go into mm-hmm. the south southern mm-hmm. regions, we see the Kaveri when it flows, it's almost drying up, which is causing farmers there to take their lives. And we even see it in Maharashtra, uh, Maharashtra, where if I'm not wrong, in Saurashtra the largest number of farmer suicides happen. So a real reason is for that also. And I would like to ask this question to Hatik, like why is he? Uh, I'm not offended by the statement but it's just a normal query like yesterday only i saw on the tv one of the reporters was taking an interview of the farmer and he was saying that when i sell it my produce to the middleman at a wholesale price i get around 40 to 50 rupees per kgs but when he sells the same produce to a retailer or a kirana store person he sells it as 120 or 150 rupees a kg so isn't the government doing the right thing by you know cutting the middleman off there and bringing in some private players into it
2: yeah ramit i get your point and actually that is the most reasonable uh reasonable uh uh, follow-up question that can be asked in this topic so let me explain as i as i already mentioned the farmers the middlemen are of course they're economically and they are not efficient and they take away the profits of farmers and that is all conceded. and of course i agree on that i cannot argue on that but uh we are totally uh ignoring the socio-economic as uh, the socio-emotional perspective of the farmers in addition exactly to that in addition to that if if you're looking at interviews now uh this is i know this is out of context but it has been uh, steadily proven that Z News ABP, I'm not uh, targeting any uh, channel in, as such, but some, some channels, which I uh, have already taken the names of, they are especially targeting people that are benefiting from uh, the farm laws, namely the uh, farmers that have high uh, land area or have a higher uh, produce of uh, farm, of uh, agriculture. If we look at the common uh, farmer the common person who is growing uh plants or who is growing crops in haryana and punjab they do not have high area of lands they do not have great areas of land and their uh, the utilities and the things or the materials they use are not industrialized to such a level as to compare with those of uh, the american farmers or uh, european farmers in uh, east european and uh, also Western European countries you cannot compare them with the other farmers so I think there's checking uh, cherry picking going on with uh, the media and uh, I think if uh, we are looking at how uh, many farmers are benefiting I I think we cannot talk about that without bringing up mSP like
0: so, so- So just to just to give like a general perspective, what I saw and what I read in an article was that so let's say there is this middleman and if we cut them out, what the farmers are trying to do is they're trying to get these corporate clients. And what's happening is farmers generally don't tend to be that very literate as like the uh, companies, corporates, financial analysts. So obviously, they're not going to be able to compete with them and they're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to set a good price, and what they are worrying about is, uh, so if these companies just go ahead and just uh, ditch their own contracts, and if they if they try to scam them, so where, what are they going to do? They cannot afford the lawyers. They cannot do anything. So they're just they're just in loss. So I think that's one point then that I read uh, somewhere, and yeah, so what you were talking about, uh, Hardik, I absolutely agree with it, and. Now I want to turn our attention to actually what are the what are these MSPs? So actually you are talking, Hardik, you are talking about MSPs. Can you take us? Uh, what are these and how we can understand them? In a, uh,
2: yeah. So MSP or Minimum Support Price has been in talk for around two to three months now since the start of the farmers' protest. Now MSP provides uh, provides a statutory uh, requirement, a statutory provision. For the farmers that they can get minimum price that is afforded to them by the MSP by any person who is buying uh, their crops, be it APMC mandis or the private individuals. Now, MSP uh, is a provision, is not a constitutional uh, constitutional requirement or not a constitutional constitutionally amended uh, topic and does not have any legal backing. So, again... If the uh, farmers, uh, sorry, if the private individuals do not give the money, the uh, lease provision required by the MSP, the farmers cannot take them to court saying that uh, no, he has uh, scammed me and uh, I I want my money back and I want uh, recompensation. That cannot happen since it of course does not have any legal backing. APMC mandis, APMC mandis, since they had such a monopoly in that uh, agriculture market, they were forced to provide uh, MSP because APMC was government regulated and CACP, which is uh, also government regulated, had created the provision for MSP. So they cannot uh, they cannot question uh, their own authority about that. Now, private individuals do not have any, any such thing and that is resulting. Key. Uh, now, in, in a span of two to three years, the government might start uh, taking away the minimum provision required by the MSP and hence they, they will be at a loss moneta- monetarily also in about a span of uh, two to three years if not more if not less if not more so yeah that that was my point and uh, I think Ramit Ramit has to Ramit has a point to make here
1: well you know Hardik I agree with you certainly that the MSP is an important thing and if we see through the last five years especially since the India government came in Our Prime Minister yesterday while briefing the farmers, he himself said that the government has spontaneously increased the amount of MSP which used to be there from earlier. But I also agree with the RN's fact that if something like this happens, that either the farmers fail to pay up the revenue they have or they fail to achieve a particular target through a whole growing season or the harvesting season they have, it might result in the uh, private players snatching their lands and taking away a little hope or little uh, guarantee which they have with themselves but if we look at it in the optimistic manner earlier uh the farmer was forced to uh, you know only keep a certain amount of a particular produce with him but now with the essential commodities bill you know ha- has been amended he is free to uh, openly keep uh, a ama- and a new amount of, maybe uh, that be potatoes or onions, or there are a list of numbers. And what I also think is that uh, I read it in an article in the TOI that this will also give an birth to the, the number of cold storages coming up in India. So if we look at that thing, the Europe, if we see at Ukraine, if we see at countries like Russia and Siberia, which you know are come really under the Arctic zone where there is a lot of uh, cold. So in that place India comes into it because we have a big fruit basket, we have a big vegetable basket in the Punjab so in that place if cold storages start coming up, India can very well emerge as you know a major exporter of these vegetables to maybe that Russia, maybe be that Ukraine or other countries which earlier used to be in Soviet Union because they don't have such growing facilities with them. And uh, one question to Arun is that Arun, since you are a lot into the economics particular thing, tell me what would be the backgrounds of bringing these laws, or even the pros and cons, if you can tell us. Yeah.
0: So, so, so before I tell you that, we first need to understand that uh, how did we actually get here? So, first in the nineteen sixties and all, we used to not be able to grow wheat. And so we needed to import wheat from America, and that used to go to our grocery stores. But now, what's happening is there is a food surplus, and what's that creating is that the prices has dropped extremely, and the pro- farmers are getting really, really low margins and thus what's happening is they are not able to make money, but the traders, on the other hand, they are profiting because onions and all of and onions specifically because Onions have a universal demand. And because since they have a universal demand, sometimes they go over 100 rupees price. And, so, and since uh, traders, what they're trying to do is, we know these APMC Mondays and all. So what they'll do is, uh, farmers has options. Like if he can, go, it can, he can go to one trader and he can say like, okay, what's the price if I offer you this much, uh, this good? So he'll say, okay, this is my price. But what if all the traders set one price? Like, okay, I'm going to give you 22 rupees per kilos of onion. So what's going to happen? Farmers at loss here. And what the, uh, the pro of this law is, it's, uh, it's, it's clearing that completely. So farmer doesn't have to face that. But again, what's the loophole here? The loophole is that when the farmers are trying to make contracts so this this is not an economic question here this is the socio-emotional impact on farmers like Hardik said so the this was all about the economic side of things but we actually need to take in account the emotional stuff a lot more than this because it's a lot more important because if we un- if we look at it from that way like let's say now the traders are removed and as we said earlier as we made the point earlier that if uh, there if we try to make contracts with these big companies they'll str- snatch away their land but what's happening is that farmers don't know their rights so if they read their rights then they'll uh, see one uh, see one article i don't know uh, which uh, uh, exactly which article it is but it's mentioned that uh, it cannot have if the farmer is failed to pay the deal is complete to uh, pay the his part of the deal, then there can be no mortgage, no lending, and no land snatching from him. But he does not know that. But he does not know his rights. So what do we need to do? Is we actually need to get people out there trying to educate these farmers about their rights, and then only we can hope for a better, better place for these farmers. Uh, are you? Is that making sense?
2: Agree with you there, Aaron. And of, about that wheat surplus, that happened because of the PDS system. PDS system also plays a big role exactly. here, because MSP, uh, the MSP provision was incentivizing farmers to grow water-intensive crops like wheat and rice. Wheat and rice mm-hmm. were created at such a such a high level in such a surplus that India actually produced three times more. Uh, wheat and rice than it was required and since uh, the lack of uh, efficient storing system efficient storing systems even the pds provision which incentivized uh, this uh, growing of water intensive crops it is not it is not uh, happening it is not uh, creating creating the hunger hunger wallets people are still dying hungry since they cannot eat uh, wa- uh, 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 rice and wheat while the farmers are dying hungry because they cannot sell wheat and rice. But wheat and rice is growing in surplus. It is just rotting away in government storage plants. There is nothing happening here. And since PDS PDS is uh, is given legal backing, the it cannot be amended easily, and it it cannot be removed if required uh, due to MSV and required by the farmers. That is a big a big problem here. So yeah, I agree completely with you there. And
0: um, when I see all of this, I feel the core problem is that the farmers are not united. If you want to make something good, you want to in you want you want to have all the farmers united into one, and then only you can hope that uh, farmers will make some organizations that uh, can can make all of this better and can that can demand for that can make. A good demands for the government, and that can make that can ensure that both the parties and the government is satisfied with all of what's going here. So, that's that's is covering all of this farmers' protest in a nutshell. So, uh, uh, Raman, do you have anything to add
1: yeah. here? Or, yeah, I now team? I'll I'll try to you know just take your time and correct you at one place, and which very you very rightly said that the farmers need to be united, but the thing with. Which we need to say here is that uh, if we look uh, back at the agricultural sector 30 or 40 years ago, there used to be only a single pivot organization, but uh, under a single umbrella system. But now it has divided into certain organizations. And if we look at the farmers' protest, now I am not taking certain media names, but a lot of them are controlled by the left, the people who believe in the left ideology. Now it's not wrong, India is a democratic country, you're free to have your own opinions. And uh, taking a point from Harding that, you know, there there is a wheat surplus in India. Most of them are eaten by either rats or they're thrown away. And why it should be given to the local people who are not able to afford even a single meal. Now, we need to also look at one factor here that the majority of farmers protesting are from Punjab. The reason why they don't want the MSP to be abolished or they are standing for the thing that these three rows need to be repealed, is for the very fact that the MSP is highest for wheat and rice, which Punjab produces in surplus. They are water-intensive crops, right? Now, why they are not wanting it to be taken out from the laws or taken out from the constitution is because they get a very basic guarantee that we are going to just produce and produce and produce wheat and rice and, you know, we have a guarantee that uh, we are going to get this much amount of money because the swaminathan committee report if we read it it said that the farmer should be given more than 50% of the total money which went in, uh, which went from his pocket into create into growing those crops now if that um, report is you know uh, um, put up into the agricultural sector i think somewhere it will be a little bit i am not i used i not use the word destroying but it will create a stir because then the punjab farmers will grow what they want and not what the country wants there needs to be a shift from what they are producing particularly wheat and rice into the protein based dals because dals they are the particular crops they that increase the amount of nitrogen present into the soil now if we look at punjab it has been growing the same crop from the last I say a hundred years, a century since the British came into India. Right? So in that factor we need to look. But yes, like you said, they need to be united, but they aren't united. Some farm organizations are supporting the government laws and some are not. But again we need to, you know, be positive, optimistic and look at what the talks bring in. That's that's all I have to say.
2: Ramit, your argument seems to be a little counterintuitive. I'll explain how. Like, uh, if you might have heard about the Pradhan Mantri Krishna Sanchai Yojana, it provides uh, farmers with a certain amount of uh, predetermined irrigational facilities that helps them in growing uh, growing wheat and rice. Now, since it is the government, it is the BGP government, the NDA government, Pradhan Mantri Krishna Sanchai Yojana was brought forth by the BGP government they are the ones who are incentivizing uh, the farmers in Punjab, especially since it is one of the most fertile lands in India. They are incentivizing the farmers to grow water-intensive water, uh, water intensive crops like uh, rice and wheat. Now, to question the farmers here that they are growing uh, rice and wheat, why would you question that? Because uh, they have all the amenities that is provided to them for free or at a subsidized, a subsidized rate by the center, that is the NDA government. And if you're asking them to grow protein uh, rich, uh, protein rich uh, crops like dal, as you mentioned, then we have to stop that incentives. Now BGP or NDA cannot say that we'll provide you in the incentives, but it is up to you that you should not grow uh, the water intensive crops. And if you do, uh, we will question you upon that topic and then we will mark your uh, protests as anti-national. Now, that does not make any sense and that is uh, totally counterintuitive. Now, you cannot question a farmers for uh, growing crops that are incentivized by the center or the state. I am not questioning that this uh, state of Punjab is not providing with irrigation facilities, but it is a center that is the main player here for providing incentives to the farmers to grow.
0: Exactly. So you cannot question, you cannot go out there and question farmers, like, why are you growing this crop? Don't grow this, grow this. So you're saying like, uh, if Punjab farmers grow what they want and not what the country wants, what will happen is... Then there will be no demand, and when there is no demand, there is obviously the sub, uh, the supply is gonna subsidize. So it's gonna it's gonna completely end, and so obviously the farmers will see that the, there is a big market out there. And we and when we in microeconomics always say that uh yeah, we will we say that uh when there is a huge demand for something, the supply will always come, and it will always always uh, make the market equilibrium and that will happen regardless so uh, it, it is not that very possible that like farmers will grow something like dragon fruit that the country doesn't want and then the country then there will be a lot of demand which is left to be supplied and then the farmers will see like no one is buying this so we should actually produce that and so what Hardik actually said is actually very right and I think your uh, argument is counterintuitive but now let's walk away from that. And we talked about all those farmers' perspective, but now let's see what the government is doing wrong here. So, uh, I think uh, Hardik or maybe Ramit, who wants to start this, uh, wants to start this uh,
2: segment, like what the government is doing wrong. I think Ramit will be the guide to guide to question here and guide to tell us all about it, since he is the main political person interested in politics. Ramit, go ahead. What's your yeah. perspective? Yeah. On
1: this? It's yeah, cool thanks. Of First of all, I'll if I just go back to our previous argument, which I am sure that you both won't like, I agree to the fact that the government can't say the farmers stop producing it. But we need to look upon the economy of Punjab in itself. Punjab is the most fertile land in India, 5 rivers flow through. But if you go to Punjab, you'll find a tube well every one kilometer you go. That means the water table there is degrading time by time by time. Now, what needs to be done by the government is, first of all, awareness needs to be brought in into the farmers that, see, this is what hap- this is what is happening. If you go on this pace and produce these crops for another 15 years, you won't be able to supply water to your crops and it will lead to you being poor and you being unemployed. So, it is better that with time, you shift your crops from what you're producing, wheat or rice, to the other uh, nitrogen-rich or protein-rich crops like dal. We will not debate further on that. Now, coming to your question, Aryan, and thanks, for that little bit introduction. What the government is doing wrong seems to me is that, first of all, the way the bills were passed in the Rajya Sabha particularly, that stirred the whole thing out of that because the opposition got a very good chance of saying that the government unconstitutionally passed these three laws out of there Often out of the parliament, whereas it was also a big mistake of the opposition, the way it behaved was really unconstitutional, and it will be a shame to any country's democracy and legislature. Now, the next thing is that the government is doing a lot of things in a hush and hush and hush, they're not taking time for it. They need to go to the farmers, to the booth level, to the lowest grassroots level, and tell the farmers, See, we have brought these laws, you need to understand what these laws are, we are ready for. Amendments into the laws, but we know from our research over the last 20 25 years that now you should start changing the way you produce your crops, you grow your crops. Second, third thing is that the government, uh, this particularly the NDA government, lacks a lot on the medium of communication it does. That is because the very fact that I feel this is that it is not able to reach out to the masses. which which is its main voter base, right? Now, if you see, if you look at it from the political angle, it should have not let the Akalis go out of its hands, though it doesn't matter, it right, Because the BJP itself has a majority in the parliament. Akalis going away from the NDA also added the fuel to the fire as they are now against the BJP. But in sense, they did good for themselves because the major voter base that the Akalis have is of that of the rich farmers and middlemen. Most of the middlemen you see in the APMC Mandis either belong to the Akalis or the Congress people. Now, this government does really poor on communication which it needs to drastically increase. We are seeing in the West Bengal how it, we saw in West Bengal, we are seeing in West Bengal and we saw in Hyderabad how the BJP government is pushing all of its cavalry into elections. The same way it should be doing for reaching out to the farmers, to the Particular mass of people for its it's bringing out the laws too. That's all I think. Plus, I think there needs to be a way things are brought for the people. You can't do everything in a jiffy. This is not America where you know you bring everything in a minute and things go on like that. This is India. There's a whole um, you know diversity in it. This You're not like Russia where a sort of a communistic approach is taken to everything. You need to be. You need to appease. I'll not say appease. You, you need exactly. to talk to every fraction of the people who are there, irrespective of religion, irrespective of class, irrespective of economic status. You need to go to the last person since India is a very large country, 1.3 billion people. So, yeah, that needs to be an approach taken by the government. I think that. And, yeah, just before you, you, you go into the questions, I have two questions for you, Hardik and Muvarin. First of all, are we seeing any change in uh, the way our market functions after these laws are brought in? You know, the very chain, the very chain of the government, how it functions, you know, the producer and then the consumer and like that. Those questions I put up to both of you and please tell me, enlighten me about that.
0: So, So what I think is the market will change drastically because if you... If you remove the traders and you remove their commissions, then there is a lot more market. Uh, there's a lot more market for farmers, and that they can use for themselves. And uh, and it's also good for the uh, what do you say corporate side of things. If you look at it, it's good that these traders are going out because then what will happen is these corporates can get their goods at a cheaper price. So yes, the market will change drastically. And as talking about the micro perspective, that Hardik will tell you because he is all about that. But I can say to you that yes, there will be a whole new market for this, and it will change drastically. That's because the both of the sides, the both of the parties, the consumer and the producer are benefiting here. So the market equilibrium may push up, which might lead, uh, which might lead to, which might lead to a demand increase, and also it might. Be good for the whole economy in general. So I think I need to take Hardik's view here.
2: Right. So I see you two becoming a little optimistic about this, and I and I and I cannot argue with that. But uh, I take a more uh, more uh, pessimistic view. According to me, of course, the market is going to change drastically, and it's and it's going to happen immediately. Or within a span of 2 to 3 years not more than that but whether it will be the uh, it will be for the better or whether uh, the market uh, will go down the consumer appreciation and the consumer uh, promise for the agri area will go down is yet to be seen i i seem to think yeah, that is true cuz yeah so if i seem to think that if uh, the farmer protest and uh, the nda government the uh, uh, farmers unions and the nda government get together and uh, find out middle ground and uh, find that out and f- figure out what's their differences then of course we uh, we may be looking at one of them uh, one of the most greatest eras era for uh, agriculture next to uh, green revolution but if if uh, such such uh, Uh, protests are continuing like uh, if both the parties do not agree on anything and they are not ready to listen to each other we are getting nowhere since the farmers are protesting we will run into a food shortage and of course it will be the middle uh, middle class people like you and me who will be suffering the most since we we are not elites that can afford such uh, such uh, agriculture produce that will be available if uh, they the both the parties do not get together. It will be the consumers that will be uh that will be getting harmed by this. So I think there needs to be some middle ground for both of them to find. Just saying that no, we cannot listen to you and your point is straight up uh straight up bullshit and all that. It will will get us nowhere. It is it is truly getting us nowhere. We need to find middle ground and we need to get together upon that. I think that's that's I, my more pessimistic view i
0: was uh, trying to uh, think of thing like where the government and the both parties have come to a middle ground but yeah what you have what the point you have raised is absolutely valid and in this time one very important quote comes to my mind is that if we if we want to if we want to find a middle ground and if we want everything to be fine exactly what you said needs to be happened we need to find a middle ground and that is immediately because these water cannons on these farmers that's not going to make any uh, new thing because then the farmers don't have trust on the government then farmers will hesitate to trust the government why should we trust those guys who were targeting water cannons on us and were not letting us into we're not letting us into Delhi. So why can't we, why can't, why we cannot trust them? Like if you were a farmer right now, you would also not trust the government, obviously. So that's, that's a very, very tough thing to happen. But yes, if we think it from an optimistic point of view, which was a little bit wrong that I did, I was assuming that we found a middle ground, but it is very hard to find Middle ground at this point because both of the parties do not trust each other and the truth lies between the both extremes. So the government is saying that these three laws can be very beneficial for farmers and the farmers are saying that these three laws are just BS. And the truth lies in between. There is some pros, there are some cons, and we need to find middle ground. But that will only happen if both of the parties decide to come together, trust each other, and hope for the better. So that's what I hope happens. Or if it does not, then there will be severe consequences. So, uh, Ramit, uh, I'll hand it uh, hand it over to you. Yeah, comment. well,
1: see, what I think is that common ground will be reached very soon. But I have this question in mind and I want you both, both to answer it. Uh, if, do we see such laws in West countries where, you know, the middlemen are not there and the farmers, which is actually what the farmer is more rich in the Western countries in Europe. So do we find certain laws there where... The middleman is not there, and how has it changed things? There,
0: I want to know. Uh, so I I feel that you are wrong comparing us to Western countries because their standards of living, their taxes, their economy is completely different. As in India, our our average. Uh, our average money that we're making is so different than the western countries so obviously their price will be higher than india because then the people can afford more and when the people can afford more the demand will obviously the suppliers will obviously say if we can capitalize on this we should capitalize on this so yes i think it's wrong to compare ourselves to western countries but um if i think about it i see that i don't see any particular case where this has happened and that's because in most of the countries they're not very very dependent on agro and it's not a big issue sometimes and it, it, it's in rare cases, but it's very rare to see that happen because many countries are not even now agro-based economies and they're different economies. So people will tend to pay less attention to them. And most of the times they're importing stuff from other countries. Like if you see in the US, a lot of stuff is imported from other countries instead of growing, because there we see like a few grow like there there comes the specialization part of things now if we have a, 10 people who are doing work on farming if we could put it if the us does not have a competitive advantage in farming so they will not uh, so the farmers will not prefer to do farming they'll prefer to do something else they'll prefer to get education they'll pref- and since the standards of living are high they and the and the government there is different than us they'll try to specialize in a different task where the us has a competitive advantage um uh, Harzak do you agree with me here
2: i sure do Aaron. but uh if i if i go back to uh, ramit's point i i i cannot argue with aryan here that of course uh all of our economies are different from that of the west uh uss economy is different from india and of course between uh, between continents there is a massive difference in economic status and e- economic uh Capabilities of nations, but if I am to compare uh, certain aspects of this protest, I will surely be looking at the BLM uh, protest and the protest in Poland. That is that is the prime example how the government can mess up protests and not take uh, the protesters into account. And if I if I see the similarities between the protests that are happening uh that are happening due to the farm bills with the farmers against the nda government there is an eerie resemblance to that of the blm movements and in the poland in the poland protests. and the government is just refusing to find middle ground here and i think i think if we are, if we are to move in that uh even move in that way then i am i am very afraid of what's gonna happen because i don't see don't see uh, any major differences between the BLM movements, the way the protests happened and the way the police brutality continued on and the Poland protests and many other such protests in many different parts of the world. So I, I think that, again, I'm taking a pessimistic view, but I think if I'm to compare the protests, then uh, it doesn't sound good to me. What about you? Rahul?
0: I actually, I actually will also agree with you and take a pessimistic view because I have seen many times like these in Poland and BLM protests. I did not see that the government uh, put, government came out optimistically and said that okay, we'll solve this issue. Let's come in, let's uh chill, and let's actually decide and come on a middle ground. So I'm very afraid that this should not happen in India too. So, um, that's your question answered by uh, Hardik here. So, Ramit, oh, anything else you want to ask us? Because I don't have any questions and I think I have got the whole side of what is happening.
1: Yeah, now if I am to ask a question, first of all, I'll say that, you know, let's not look at the way protests are happening in Poland or the BLM protest, Black Lives Matter protest because it's West. These things are common. Racism exists in West and this is not a fact that we can deny. And the way administration functions there is different. Now, if you're talking about the Poland protest where the women and particularly some men are protesting against the laws that ban abortion, we have to also look at the fact that the person who Poland elected to be its leader is a conservativist. Right. He... he... He's an anti-LGBTQ. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't support same-sex marriages. So yeah. that needs to be kept in view. And talking about the Black Lives Matter, DLM protest, I think, I, in my sense, I, I don't think it would be right to compare any country's protest with any other country because each protest has its own, you know, incentives, its own ideas. So, 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 let, know, me, let yeah, me stop yeah. you there.
0: Because... uh we were talking about protests in general so in past also if we take an example of uh, which protest shall i take an example we we rarely see people coming to the prime minister or the president and they are having a, they are coming to the middle ground do you remember the last time we had uh, we had the government and the uh, and the other side who was protesting coming on a same middle ground in india
1: See, it has happened. If, yeah, yeah. Ramit. If we see, see the Jan Lokpal bill, if we see in which Arvind K. is the Delhi CM right now and Mr. Anna Hazari, these two people played a very important role in that protest. And we then saw the Jan Lokpal bill being cleared into the country, right? The parliament. So that can be said as a.
0: But Ramit, but Ramit for every for every for every protest that has come to a middle ground there are also some many other protests that have not come on a middle ground yeah right?
1: that's right that's right i agree to that
0: so that's so that's so that's what we and uh, i and Ramit and were ta- were trying to convey a point and trying to get across there
2: and Ramit, don't you think that the constant protests that are happening like it was exactly an year ago i think uh, that the CA and RC protests started happening, and then uh, barely seven eight months in, we have the farmer bill protest. Of course, the uh, project matter, the protest matter is different, and the incentives and the political agenda is different. But continued protests in a country that uh, is claiming to be a democracy don't you think that is that is a little um, a little uh, horrifying? if if i may use that word a little terrifying to the people see, like i actually protest. want to ask see, you the same it, thing
1: see we need you to look at it from a particular perspective you know protests are the basis of something which right. f- forms the democracy we can say that is that a democracy flourishes when there are protests am i not audible see the protest form the very foundation of any democracy if there are no protests, we can't say democracy exists just on the basis that a person is allowed to go to vote. No, and are they coming to your point that it's terrifying? I'll say not at all. We have been seeing the United States protests are going on there. We are seeing Thailand today where monarchy protests are going there. People are literally using ducks to fight against it. We can see Hong Kong also, where the protest. No democracy protests going on there. So having this perspective on the West, I think it's not right. You know, the West even thinks that India is a country which is right now being controlled by a right nationalist government. It's absolutely wrong. India has its own part of history. And we can't compare it to that thing. And one question I have for both of you is that are we going to see India, if, if this laws come in as optimistic thing, as a positive thing, can we see India as a country which exports agricultural products be those fruits vegetables or dairy products i'll I'll exclude dairy fruits or you know vegetables to the countries where they are not able to grow it say that be that iceland or you know greenland denmark such countries can we see india as a pair into that
0: so so uh yeah hardeek go ahead
2: like I had two statements, I had uh, three words to say, Y-E-S, yes, of course we are going to see that because if, if a middle ground is found, then there cannot be anything better for the agricultural market. But I cannot see anything coming. Coming. Uh, yeah, exactly coming what I was to saying. That yeah, obviously
0: it's gonna happen because when there uh, when something is happening and we have a competitive advantage in farming, so obviously India is going to try to capitalize that and export and export our farming goods and also try to yeah, use that to its advantage. So yes, the answer is yes.
2: Now, Ramit, let me be the one asking you questions what is the political agenda uh, behind it all like we have seen the nda government versus the uh, farmers protest we have seen the nda government versus the shiromani akali Del. now what is the uh, fight between congress shiromani akali Del, and other parties in Punjab, not in alliance with nda and uh versus the nda government what uh, excluding farmers of course not including farmers what's the core political agenda behind all this.
1: See, Hardik, if you need to you know understand the core political agenda, we need to go back to the Punjab general elections and the 2019 general elections. Now, if you see, even Aam army Party is playing a little bit of role here, as we see Mr. Captain Amrinder Singh slamming Arvind Kejriwal on time zone time. Same, some things which are not good. okay. So, if we see the Aap manifesto for the Punjab 2000, uh, the last elections, we can very much see that our promise that it will amend the APMC Act. The same was seen as the 2019 General Election Manifesto of Congress. Now, this is hypocrisy. You know, even if BJP would have been in the opposition today, they would have done the same. Because politics, you know, hypocrisy is an eternal part of politics. You can't separate it from that. And seeing the political agenda behind, see, uh, what I feel is that the BJP brought in it in we cannot say as appeasement, but yes, to you know free the farmers from any kind of vote bank politics. Because if we see in Punjab, as I said, SAD or the Shirumali Akali Dal, its major voter base relies on the middlemen, the rich middlemen and the rich farmers. Now, so if we go to the farmers' protest, also we see farmers which are there in BMWs. We see pizzas being made on a protest, we see we see the farmers getting massages on a protest which you know, takes my mind from is it really a protest or is it some kind of and I don't feel like there's any particular political agenda behind it but one thing which I would really like to bring to the light is that the major Kisan unions as they say it, are really controlled by either the left or the people who have the left ideology or Congress because as I said, it is a very important part of the voter base which arises there. BJP does not have any presence in Punjab right now it lost the general elections, though it fought with SAD there. And it seems like this time when they fight the elections, they're going to fight it alone on all the number of seats there. So, SAD does not get into any particular seat-sharing formula with BJP. But what I feel is that it was a very, you know, honest approach by the government to bring in some developmental things into the agricultural sector, bringing out some particular facts, particular reforms, I'm sorry to strengthen an agricultural economy but again it failed on a communication perspective
2: Rav, that's what I, I, mean. I i i'm really sorry but i just cannot uh, just cannot compensate that uh the BJP only had the farmers uh farmers benefit or yeah, uh, farmers benef- betterment in mind i don't the know the if that's just me i i don't think that BJP is so kind-hearted just to help Farmers just for I the sake agree of it. With there the, must I be agree some with political the agenda. No I, I political
0: party will do something without it getting something in return. So you will also not do something if you don't have a good side or a good a good deal in return. So what is BJP trying to get out of it? Is it a political agenda? Is it taking farmers on their side? What is happening?
1: See, no, I you know, now we, yeah, yeah. I understand what you're trying to say and it's true that any political party does not do anything before it doesn't see any output there. But now I think it's time we change our perception. Why did the Congress government bring in RTI? I need to ask this to Harthik also. right? Then RTI, because it would have led to a number of scams being exposed at the second UPA2 part of it. And we can say yes, there might be, uh, you know, uh, see, What I I don't have the word for it. There might be a way for the BJP to appease the particular Punjab farmer section or it is wanting some direct change into the way agriculture is being being done here. Maybe it wants to attract FDI into it, agricultural perspective of it. But I don't see. As far as I have read, I don't think there is any particular political agenda behind it. But there must be. And I'm sorry that I, I can't find it, but yes, it is. I think it's a way to, you know, strengthen its trust among the farmers in, uh, you, uh, I'll say Punjab. Yeah, that's what I feel like.
2: Oh, great. I, I get, I get what you're getting at, and I, and I cannot question that. I think I'll have to agree with you because there's no way around it that, uh, there, there might be, and there must be some uh, political agenda behind the BGP doing such things, but, uh, we cannot find it right now. I cannot find it right now. You cannot find it right now. And uh, it it is just because we cannot find it, it's leading to all these protests. I, I cannot argue with that.
1: I'm really sorry for that, that I can't find a political agenda. I, even I can't.
2: It, and that is and, that and is and the it's main really hard to just go numbers. ahead and just
0: find a political <laughs> agenda because sometimes the party will try to hide what it's trying to actually achieve here because it doesn't want to open its card to the opponents, right? So, yeah, I think it's okay if you don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, and if you see the BJP government, it is it. it there's a central command in the BJP government that exists, you know, Mr. Amit Shah. Mr. Narendra Modi, some of their close people, you don't really know what the government is bringing tomorrow. We saw that in Article 370. We saw that during the NRC and CAA thing, which the BGP is going to use as a major power weapon to consolidate the Bengali speaking community in West Bengal. Now, you know, see, see the elections are coming up there in April and May and we're going to see a lot of things happening there. And I'm sure we're we'll going to do a podcast on this that topic also, sure.
2: Sure. yeah so we have created a few topics and it doesn't matter if uh, uh, the protesters and the bjp has reached middle ground i think we three have and i think that's the end of the podcast thanks for joining <laughs> yeah in i now. think we
0: should yeah thank you everyone for joining in and Have a, and have a great day ahead